I've been training for 15 years now. And within that time, I've made a ton of mistakes, a ton of errors. And in this podcast, I've broken down the seven most important errors that I've made, why they're errors, and how to fix them. So let's jump into it. To give you a bit of context of how my journey started with lifting weights and working out in general, I came from a sporting background. I played a ton of sports. And during that time, as I got older, I could see that strength and size difference was playing a massive part. I grew up a skinny, small kid, and a lot of people don't believe that when I tell them. And that's not to try and say, oh, I'm so big and I'm not small. Um, It's just because I've lifted weights for such a long time now that I've developed some muscle mass. But when I was younger, uh, my mum used to call me skinny binny. My dad used to call me monkey. Like I was just like a small, skinny kid that used to play a lot of sport, run around, climb trees, do that sort of thing. Uh, but as I got into rugby, that's when the strength and size, dif- size difference really started to be highlighted. I used to play rugby in, well, I started at a young age, five years old. But I remember when I was 12 years old and I was playing, sorry, I was 11 years old and I was playing at intermediate school. So if you don't know what intermediate school is uh, because you're not from New Zealand, intermediate school is, I think it's called middle school. In, in the States, but it's when you're uh, 11 and 12, it's just two years. So in New Zealand, it's when you're year seven and year eight and you're 11 and 12 and it's like a school between primary school and high school. So I used to have a lot of friends that were just massive. They had facial hair and we were <laughs> like, we were 11 and 12 years old and I couldn't believe they were actually my age. And I didn't have armpit hair. I didn't have pubic hair. I couldn't get a hair on my face. I could hardly comprehend the fact of that happening. And my friends like had to shave. Uh, like they full on had like <laughs> men attributes. And I remember playing rugby with them and I was a decent tackler, but these guys were just like, I was trying to wrap my arms around their legs and I was struggling to tackle them. So as I went through intermediate school and I got to high school, Christchurch Boys High School, we had a gym that was uh, accessible to anyone who paid for a gym membership. Uh, But also if you played rugby, you know, they encouraged you to lift weights. And that's where I started lifting. I started at 14 years old. I'm 29 years old now. So I've technically been lifting for 15 years. Uh, I started with no guidance apart from some general rugby programs that our coaches would give us. Uh, and my friends that lifted weights would just kind of tell me things. And if they had good physiques, I'll just listen to what they say. If they were strong and bigger and older than me, then that's what I was doing in the gym. I was just looking at them and just copying them. Um, so on that journey of having literally no experience with weights and, uh, just this desire to, to work out, get bigger, get stronger, get faster. I made a lot of errors. I made a lot of errors. I didn't know that I was going to be a personal trainer when I started lifting. That wasn't the goal. It was just to to get stronger and bigger for to play better sport. Uh, but obviously that got carried away and I fell in love with the weight training over the sport. And that resulted in me becoming an online personal trainer. Now I coach people uh, all around the world. Um, and yeah, the errors that I make, I'm coaching them through it. And that's what I want to outline in this podcast. The first error that I made was just having no program not tracking exercises, not tracking weight lifted, 
uh, I was tracking nothing. And there's a, a great quote that sums up why we need to track these things. What is measured can be progressed. If you don't track how much money you're making versus how much you're spending, you're going to have a very average idea of your financial situation. If you don't track how many calories you're consuming versus how many calories you're burning, it's going to be very hard to have an idea of if you're going to lose weight, gain weight, or maintain weight. You, like There's so many things that we can apply that to. And the fact is, at, at minimum, we have to track the amount of exercises that we're doing, what exercises we're doing, uh, in, in what sort of rotation. And then it's like we have to track the weight lifted to make sure that we're implementing a principle called progressive overload. And I had no program just simply because I was just... I just wanted to lift weights. I was just new to it, man. I was, I was trying to figure out technique. I was trying to figure out how much I should train. And I was just getting told by my friend, Rob, who had like a bench press in his garage and he had a massive chest. And I was like, man, what did you do to get that massive chest? And he was just like, oh, I've got a bench press uh, in my garage. So I just do heaps of that. So I, d- I did heaps of bench press. Uh, and that didn't actually get my chest. I didn't have the correct technique and I actually developed pretty poor posture. My shoulders were rounded over. Uh, I wasn't feeling it in my chest. I was feeling it in my shoulders. And that was because my scapula wasn't retracted uh, and depressed. But uh, that's a bit of a side note. Uh, but yeah, I just got into it because I was just keen and eager. And that's what a lot of people do. When you're a beginner, you just think, okay, I'm lifting weights. That's better than not lifting weights. So I've already taken a big step. And that's true. You have made significant progress by simply just doing that. But we don't just want to get results. We want to get world-class results. Uh, We don't just want to uh, train. We want to optimize our training. If you're serious about transforming your body and transforming your life and uh, creating a program or getting a workout program given to you by someone that's more intelligent than you in this area is going to be a significant way to, to actually make as much progress as you can in the phase that's called the newbie phase or the beginner phase. And that would be the first six to 12 months of your lifting career. You have this golden opportunity that you don't get access to ever again. And that's lifting weights for the first time. And that's why you can make progress by doing training that's all over the place, not following a program, not tracking how much you're working out, not tracking what exercises you're doing or weight lifted because your your body hasn't seen a stimulus like this before. So when you start training, it's such a difference to zero training and your muscles go, wow, what the hell is this? You get really sore, but you also get stronger. You can increase your weight so much faster. You can Uh, build muscle so much faster you can um, you're in this rare place where you can build muscle and lose fat at the same time because even though you're in a calorie deficit which uh, is pretty much impossible to build muscle as you become an intermediate and advanced lifter as a beginner because you're in this calorie deficit and you can still uh, drop body fat well you have to drop body fat if you're in a calorie deficit but when you're mixing that with weightlifting for the very first time in your life you have this golden opportunity to build muscle and lose fat at the same time which is pretty much everyone in the world's goal carry less fat but build more muscle carry less fat build more muscle and when you get more advanced you have to go 
from a bulk phase to a cut phase, bulk phase, cut phase, and you have to keep optimizing processes and repeating, rinsing and repeating. But when you're just beginning, you can just bang it out. Two birds with one stone, and that's just lifting weights and eating in a calorie deficit. So I know if you are a beginner, it can be super overwhelming to hire a professional. Uh, number one, it's an expense. Uh, but number two, it's very uncomfortable because you're trying to find your feet. But if you if you do invest into a coach or getting a program, a, a decent program too, then you can really, I would say, exponentially increase your results. Because if you get into great habits as a beginner, you don't have to undo bad habits that is what I had to do when I first started training. I lifted too <laughs> too heavy too early. Uh, I just did exercises that I liked or that I was good at. Uh, I had a ton of weak points. Uh, I had a low, I saw lower back quite a lot of the time because I was lifting with terrible technique. Squatting felt awkward. Uh, I had to try and keep my knees from going over my toes because I thought that was a bad thing. Uh, I now know different, but squatting felt terrible because of that. I was trying to keep my keep my knees behind my toes, and that throws your uh, it throws your sense of gravity off. It makes you want to fall backwards. And when you and I've I've dived into the research on this too because I made a whole video on it. But when you take the take the pressure off your knees by putting uh, by not putting your knees over your toes, that extra tension goes into your hip. Um, and when there's more tension in your hip, you have more potential of having uh, lower back pain if you're not squatting correctly. And I definitely wasn't. Um, if you are going to go knees behind toes, then you're better off doing a low bar back squat because the weight is better positioned for you to have a, a, a better center of gravity to squat. Um, but anyway, everything, not everything, but most exercises hurt when I went heavy. Uh, that's why I didn't really go heavy because uh, it, it hurt. So, the, what I'm trying to say is just try and get a program, man. Get a program. Uh, look, there's a ton online. Obviously, I have mine at teambrockashby.com. If you want to use my programs, they're all sound. They're programs that I have done. They're programs that I've studied for and in, and in, in invested my time, soul, and energy into. Um, there's other programs online too, whatever. Um, your friend might be a personal trainer. Ask them for a program. Hopefully, they're legit. Um but tracking a program, tracking what exercises you're doing, uh, tracking the weight that you're lifting, these are super key pillars to ensure that you're making progress. And if you compared an advanced lifter program to a beginner program, they're very different. And with a beginner program, you don't have to do many exercises. You actually don't have to train that often too. You can get away with training three to four times a week. Whereas you're advanced, uh, you may have to dial that up just to get more training volume in um, and allow your body to get warm for the amounts that you're going to lift because as an advanced person, you should be lifting a lot more than you uh, were as a beginner. But getting a program will fast track you 1000%. And just a bit of, a bit of key points with training, uh, with training programs is you. A rough guide is following a program for four to six weeks. As a beginner, you can get away with doing it for longer because you're so used to this, not used to this training stimulus that you 
can do the same things over and over and over again because you have so much ground to make up. As an advanced person, you've pretty much seen every program under the sun, every exercise under the sun, every rep range and tempo under the sun that you have to change slightly more frequently. Uh, I would change every three to four weeks as an advanced person. Um, unless you're still progressing with certain exercises, then you can keep those exercises in and bring in some other ones. But yeah, it's a really ideal situation. So try to train the program for four to six weeks. Keep the same weekly program. Uh, you know, as a beginner, you can literally have two full body days. Like this is a cheat code for beginners. You can have full body day A and full body day B. And you don't have to work on a seven-day uh, training cycle. You can work on an eight-day training cycle. It's just going to change the days that you train throughout the week. So you could do Monday, full body A, Tuesday, rest. Wednesday, full body B, Thursday, rest. And then Friday, you go back to full body A. And then you take a rest Saturday. And then Sunday, full body B, rest Monday, Tuesday, full body A. And you just keep alternating workouts uh, because you're so fresh, you can continue to do the same exercises for a while. Like You could do that for four to six weeks and still make incredible progress, build significant muscle, drop body fat if you're consuming the right amounts of calories and you're off that's just a quick like little program and with that full body program man i could spend all day breaking that down and what that could look like but ultimately as a beginner full body workouts are a great place to start the second biggest training error that i made was having no rest days i was like i was at this point in my life where i thought rest days were for soft people and i was like if you rest you're weak I'm just going to keep charging on. I'm just going to keep training. I'm going to outwork you. And I still have that mindset, but I guess I've balanced that with experience. And I've had a lot of experience where I've had injury. I've had uh, times where, where my joints were aching because I was uh, doing too much. There's times where my lower back was always sore. My central nervous system was down. Uh, I remember I had like these, and this could have been anything, but I remember having these like, I don't know how I explain them, like welts or like sores, like under my armpits and like on my, like around my mouth and stuff like that. It sounds like herpes, uh, but it wasn't. Um, but like I had this stuff and I think it's just because I was literally overworking my central nerve system and it wasn't recovering, but I had no rest days. So I went through this period where I would train twice a day, every day. And I was a personal trainer. So Getting to the gym wasn't hard because I worked in a gym. If a client canceled, bang, I was training. Uh, if I had a one-hour slot where there was no clients there, bam, I was training. Uh, was it a lunch break? Okay, I'm going to smash my food down really fast 15 minutes and train for the rest, I, I don't know, the other hour that I had left. Any gap that I had in my schedule, I'll just replace it with training. So the ability to train 12 to 14 times per week was there. Um, that led to a catastrophic lower back injury where I ended up having an ambulance to my house. I've told it before on this podcast, but I pretty much had an ambulance in my house. I couldn't stand up. I tried to stand up. I blacked out. Uh, that was when I called the ambulance. Um, and then I had to rehab pretty much from that. And I couldn't do any bilateral exercises. So I couldn't do any exercises uh, with two, two arms or two legs working because it caused too much pain. So everything was single arm and single leg. Uh, I did like split squats, I did single leg leg press, I did single arm dumbbell chest press, single arm lateral raise, everything was single arm because it took the tension off my lower back. I got dry needling from the physio, I got stretches, I was doing rehab, I was doing everything. It took me like three to six months to climb out of that because I slipped a disc or 
No, maybe I didn't slip a disc. It's it's been a while since this happened. I think I had a uh, lower back spasm. But anyway, it was like uncontrollably painful. Um, and when I blacked out, I literally had a thought. I, I, I don't know if anyone's ever blacked out like from an injury or from a lower back. Like, so, okay, let me paint this picture. I have told it on the podcast before, but let me just quickly run you through it just so you get an idea of how painful it was. Uh, I did my lower back that night and I couldn't walk. So I literally uh, like crawled into my Uber, like took the smallest penguin steps up to my apartment, which was the first level. So I had to do stairs as well. That was super painful. I fell asleep. I was conked out. It was like 10, 10 PM. Uh, I woke up, I couldn't stand up. So I crawled out of bed, crawled to the toilet. Uh, it hurt to, 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 to like try and stand up, but I did it. It, it took me like 15 minutes to get about five meters away from my bed because I lived in a studio apartment. It was very small. Crawled, 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 sat on the toilet to take a piss. Usually I would stand up because I'm a dude. That's usually what we do. Um, And then I had to crawl back to bed. I canceled my clients because I woke up and I was like, I can't stand up. I thought it would pass overnight. And then uh, I really didn't know what to do. I tried to eat. So I got, I crawled down from my bed I, I made food. Uh, the microwave was actually just above the ground, uh, like in a cabinet. So I, I could do that. I was lying. And then I was just lying on the ground eating on my front. I was lying, eating, and I was eating and eating. And then I finished and I had to put it in the sink. I couldn't reach the sink. So I tried to stand up. As I was trying to stand up, it was so painful. Like this kind of sharp pain came through me. Uh, I put this, the, the Tupperware container in the sink. And then I blacked out and I woke up on the floor, which was like crazy because I could have hit my head, I could have, I don't know, and I was living on my own, so it was just like, it was just crazy, it was so sore, I woke up and I was scared, and th- and then that's when um, my brother, I called in the Gold Coast, told me to um, to call an ambulance, so anyway, I did, and this pretty much came down from no resting, I was squatting, I was only squatting 120 kg, which isn't significant for me, it's up there, but it's not up there, up there, um, and I was just trying to tick the box from my program. I was so fixated on smashing my program that was twice a day and I didn't get all my squats in because I had clients during that day. So when I finished my clients at like 9 p.m., I was like, I just need to do two sets of squats at 120 and then I'm done. I did my warm-up sets up to 120. I went down to the bottom of like my second rep of 120 kg and as I came up, something went like that and then I was done. I was just training too much. My lower back was always sore. I used to have a joke with my friends uh, when we were PTs. They were like, oh, Brock, what are you training today? And then I'd like kind of lean back. If you're watching on YouTube, you'll see like this. I'd kind of like arch my back, flex, and then go side to side because that would be like, if that was painful, I'd be like, oh, my lower back's sore, so I'm not doing legs. And then I'd say, oh, I'm doing upper body. And it was a bit of a joke because I was always like my lower back was always sore, but it's because I was training so hard, training so heavy, and there was no recovery. I was still eating a lot, um, but I just wasn't recovering from training 12 to 14 times per week. So what I did from training twice a day, every day, which was 14 days per week, I brought it down to 12 days per week. Uh, I'd train twice a day every weekday and then once on the weekend. That made it slightly better. Weekends were amazing because I was only training once a day. Uh, but I was still experiencing that lower back pain where I was like, oh, I can't really move. It's kind of like, uh. and I'd, 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 I'd have sore elbows and sore wrists a lot because I was doing a lot of bench press, a lot of overhead press, using a lot of dumbbells. Um, and everyone only thinks of your muscles recovering when we're talking about recovery, but we also have to think about our joints and our ligaments and our bones 
And when we lift heavy, they also take attacks. Like when you're doing bench press, you're loading the bar on your wrist joint and your elbow joint too. And then your shoulder joints loaded too. So like we think, oh, you know, we, that was a chest, tricep and shoulder exercise. I hope they recover. But you have to think about your t- tendons and ligaments. And they'll tell you when they're sore too. So then I went from uh, 12 to like 10 days per week where I'd like train twice a day, Monday to Friday, take the weekends off. Still sore. Then I went to seven days, which was a dramatic. Like I literally trained half as much as I used to, seven days a week. It was a dramatic improvement. And just from a practical point of view, I had more time during the day. I was getting frustrated with myself uh, just because in my professional life, as a personal trainer, while I was face-to-face, I was trying to build my online presence, my online training business as well. And I just didn't have the time training twice a day. And even though I was like, I want to you know, keep transforming my online business, I was like, I need to train twice a day too. So I had this conflict and I would always train because it was like, go hard or go home mindset. Um, and now that I only trained seven days per week, I was like, man, I have so much time to work on my business. I was still experiencing lack of recovery, sore lower back all the time. And now I've trained five days per week for probably the last, since 2020, I would say. And it's brilliant, man. It's so good. Uh, I think if if you're training more than five days per week now, in my opinion, I just don't feel like you're, you're training efficiently with your time. And if you're training six days a week, seven days a week, and you're like recovering well and doing all this stuff, that's fine. But I think you should also ask yourself two questions. The first one being, do you want to spend more time in the gym than you need to? If you want to, that's cool. I don't care. The second thing that I want to ask is, are you actually training hard enough? Like a lot of people that hit a plateau, they don't have a training workout program problem. They don't have like exercise selection problem. They don't have uh, a supplement problem. They need to take creatine or they need to take beta, uh, beta alanine. The problem they have is intensity. They're not training hard enough. Like when I train now, I train very hard. I'm lifting heavy weights. I'm making sure I'm timing my rest periods. Everything's dialed in. And five days per week, I'm still battered, man. Um, I am recovering enough, though, compared to what I used to. I don't wake up with a sore lower back and be like, oh, I can't train legs today because it hurts just to stand up and bend over. But five days per week is such a sweet spot for me. Uh, Maybe later on, it'll be four days per week if I figure that out. But for now, it's five days per week. I'm doing three days upper body, two days lower body. That just favors my, my, my goals for my physique. I have done the uh, the opposite way before, three days lower, two days upper. Uh, I just found that that was hard for me to recover for my legs and it was just a bit too lower heavy for the aspirations I have for my upper body, if that makes sense. My lagging body parts are my lats and my shoulders and I like to spend extra training volume uh, trying to build up those areas. So the no rest days thing really screwed me up. Uh, I was always sore, my joints were sore, my wrists were sore a lot from bench press and stuff like I said. I would not recommend that. I would recommend five days per week as a kind of maximum. Three days per week can be your minimum. Obviously, this depends on how much time you have during the day. You know, maybe you're a, a, a busy mom, you're a busy dad. I don't know, you're a busy person, whatever. Try and find what you can do and then figure out the workout split from the time or the availability that you have to do that in. Um, excuse me. Uh, yeah, so... That's the uh, 
that's the second point. No rest days. It really screwed me up. The third point, uh, I thought cardio had to be done in order to drop body fat. I'm just going to take a sip of coffee. <sighs> cardio had to be done to be leaner. I thought that's what you had to do. And I mixed this up throughout the entire 15 years that I've been training. First off, I thought cardio had to be done so I would just do traditional cardio I would go for runs I would uh, I would do sprints because I came from a rugby background that that's what we did we did this thing called fartlek training f-a-r-t-l-e-k that was super challenging we used to do things like beat tests Um, we used to do these things I was actually talking about it with my brother the other day called Henny Mullers where you would so picture a rugby field You'd jog the width of it and then you'd sprint to the opposite corner in length. So it's like this diagonal from corner to corner from uh, like, let's say you're at the bottom left corner of a rugby field. You'd jog across to the right bottom corner. Then you'd sprint to the top left corner. Then you'd jog to the top right corner and then sprint to the bottom left. So you've done this figure eight shape and then you just keep doing that. It was, mate, that's probably the biggest scar I have from rugby training. Those Henny Mullers were the death of me. Um, So I would do things like that initially. And then as I got more into the bodybuilding scene, I guess what is what you can call it. I would do things like the Stairmaster, the elliptical. Uh, I would get on the treadmill and I would do like 30 uh, 30 seconds sprinting, 30 off, 30 seconds sprinting, 30 off, 40 seconds sprinting, 20 off, you know, or 20 seconds sprinting, 40 off. If I wanted a bit more time, I'll do things like that. Um, and that was just a big error because I, I didn't make any changes with my nutrition and I was like, cardio has to be done to get leaner and I'll do it and I would lose weight. But it, it, it wasn't because I was doing cardio. It was because I was creating a calorie deficit through exercising more than I was previously. I would just add in cardio. And if you add in more physical activity, but your calories stay the same, you're going to create that deficit to drop body fat. So that, that was a big training area on my part just because I believed it. Now, if I want to drop body fat, I will just eat less. I'll just pull back 500 calories and just handle handle it and just deal with that 500 calories of hunger that I uh, <laughs> that I miss during the day. But I would rather do that than do extra cardio. Number one, I don't have time. Number two, I don't really enjoy cardio. So I prefer to just eat less. I think it's smarter. It's smarter time-wise. Um, and if you can still hit your protein, your your minimum protein dose, your minimum fat dose, Um, and carbs just fill up the rest of your calories. If you can still hit that um, whilst pulling back calories, then happy days. You just have to have a bit of strength and willpower to drop body fat, but that's what it takes anyway. We're in a deficit where our body's literally receiving less energy than it needs. Um, So it's going to be difficult, but you just have to deal with it. That's whole part of dieting, right? You're hungry. You have to just deal with it. Um, So that's point number three. I thought cardio had to be done to be leaner. Point number four is... I didn't sleep. I didn't sleep much. I would think that once again it was for soft people. It was for weak people. I w- <laughs> I once said in an interview, um, "Sleep when you're dead," and I used to live by like I legit believe that I was like, "Sleep when you're dead, make the most of life." You know, I'm here to be successful. I'm here to be this and that. I had big aspirations and goals, um, and I just wouldn't sleep. 
<laughs> I would literally try to minimize my sleep as opposed to maximizing it, which is what I would try to do now or recommend to my clients. I was like, I would just, yeah, I'd be like, no, nah, I can get away with four hours. I'll go to sleep at 12 and wake up at four. Yeah, that sounds good. And I'll just do that. I'll set my alarm, bang, I'm up at four and I was going. Uh, I would I would max it out at six hours sometimes. And if I slept more than six hours, I'd feel guilty or I'd accidentally sleep through an alarm because I was actually exhausted. But it was a big error, man. Like the research says seven to nine hours is the sweet spot where we want to try and sit. If you're not sleeping that much, it's going to take uh, a lot away from your life. Number one, um, in your work life, it's going to take away productivity and energy level. From a training level, um, the rate that you, um, sorry, the the amount of effort that it takes to train to failure is perceived as more when you're tired. So like if you're doing the same, if you're doing a hundred kilo squat and you're tired versus you're well slept and feeling fresh, a hundred kilos is going to feel heavier when you're tired than it is when you're fresh and well slept. That sounds really obvious, but if you put that into weeks of training programs and sets and reps and all that kind of stuff, you can see how that one rep that feels better is going to be that workout that felt better. It's going to be that program that overall felt better. So you're going to be able to train harder. And as you get more advanced, intermediate to advanced lifter, you're going to see that you do have to train close to failure to give your muscles a stimulus to adapt, to build muscle, to get stronger, to look better, all that kind of stuff. You have to get close to failure. And if you're so tired that you have to stop early because you think you're close to failure, but in reality, you're not, that's where you sit at a plateau. I've dealt with a ton of clients, especially when I was face-to-face personal training and I would see them every day, you know, like they'd be underslept, they'd have this, you know, big corporate job, they'd have family, uh, kids. And look, you can't change the fact that you have kids and that you have this busy work life. You just kind of got to deal with it. But it was just like hard to watch because they were so tired. They'd be so far away from from failure and they were really giving it their all but they just couldn't make progress it was really hard because they just couldn't get to that level of intensity that they needed to make progress so if you do have the opportunity to sleep take it man take it uh and if you have that mindset of like train hard um you know sleep in your dead type of thing like i did look that will take you so far but you'll never like feel amazing you're never going to feel truly recovered. When I was undersleeping, it was that same time where I wasn't um, like training five times per week. I was training like two times a day, sleeping four to six hours. It was just an absolute nightmare. And uh, yeah, I paid for it. I think that's what also paid into my lower back injury that taught me a steep lesson. So sleep, man, sleep. So like I was saying, kills your productivity and energy levels when you're working. Number two, it affects how you see fatigue um, and failure and um, your proximity to fatigue. Uh, Number two, in terms of training, uh, you're not going to recover as well. So if you train legs on Monday, upper body Tuesday, then you go to do legs again on Wednesday. If you're not well slept, you're probably still going to be sore. So you're going to have to push that leg day back and then do legs on the next day. But then your upper body is still going to be sore, so you're going to have to push that back. Like you're not going to be recovered. And if you do train whilst you're sore, that's not ideal. You're going to be lifting subpar weights. Your muscles are still trying to recover and you're trying to ask them to, to, to perform maximally. It's crazy. So it has that impact too. And nutrition-wise, lack of sleep, 
like there's a lot of things, but I always say that like a tired person and an energetic person have two very different diets. A tired person is going to lean towards convenience. It's going to lean towards takeaways. It's going to lean towards uh, Uber Eats. And a person that's fresh and full of energy is going to lean towards more cooking at home, being patient, not reaching for convenience, but actually going, okay, like you can be a bit more uh, clear-minded. Like, okay, I'm going to have a piece of fruit or, you know, I'm just going to, like, I'll just wait till I got till I go home because I know I have yogurt in the fridge as opposed to the tired person's like, I'm just starving now. Let's just quickly pull over and get something out of the convenience store. It's a Kit Kat bar. That adds up those decisions. So um, yeah, like there's there's a lot of things that happen when you sleep less. Um, I have a podcast on sleep. If you want to watch, um, I got a sleep expert on that was a client of mine, Brad. Um, and I think it's like episode two or three uh, maybe three or four of the of the Better With Brock podcast. You can check it out there where we really dive into sleep. But yeah, that was one of the biggest training errors I made. It really impacted me uh, in a bad way. Point number five would be following other people's workouts. I used to do it like so much. I used to... <laughs> I used to read simplyshredded.com. It's like a blog site that I used to just like follow religiously and with that comes like I was naive and I would I would read simplyshooter.com I'd go in have a look and then all these fitness models were there Lazar Angelov was like one where like me and my mates like idolized their six pack that he had and like the casing he had around his abs I was like man I want to have abs like that there was uh, there was Ulysses Jr there was Jeff Seed or Side um Steve Cook, uh, all these guys that had incredible physiques. And I used to follow their workouts. And when you understand as you get a bit older that their workouts are just absolutely ridiculous, like you just can't believe that you were doing those workouts. Like, So I went on to simplyshredder.com and I found one of the workouts that I was following for a while. And I want to read it out to you and then kind of explain why it didn't work for me. So, uh, let me find his, let me find his, uh, let me find his workout. I've got it in front of me here. Okay. Um, so they used to do interviews and they have photos of like their physique and, and then they interview them. Like what's your transformation story? Um, what are the challenges you had to overcome? What's your life like now that you've made a transformation? What motivates you? What's your next goal? All these types of things. What's your current training philosophy? Um, so here's his workouts. So day one was chest and abs. Flat bench four times eight. Incline bench four times eight. Decline bench four times eight. Uh, pullover four times eight. Hammer press three times eight. Dips three times failure, weighted sit up four times failure, hanging leg raise four times failure, side bends four times failure. So if we just calculate that and the amount of sets that you have in one workout, we've got four, eight, 12, 16, 19, uh, 22, 26, 30, 34. That's 34 sets in a workout. That is like a, that's a huge workout. That's going to take ages. And this doesn't have the tempo or the rest or or anything like that. It just has the amount of sets. Um, and so, okay, so day two, back and traps. Bent over row, four times eight. Deadlift, four times eight. Pull downs, four times eight. Pull ups, four times eight. Cable row, four times eight. And then shrugs, six times 10. 
so just a straight back day pretty much day three delts forearms and abs military press behind the neck three times eight machine press four times eight lateral raises four times eight weight plate front raises four times ten Dumbbell front raises four times eight, reverse pec deck four times ten, reverse flies four times eight, weighted sit-ups four times failure, hanging leg raises four times failure, side bends four times failure, side crunches four times failure, wrist curl behind back four times failure, R- reverse wrist curl over bench four times failure. This day is absolutely huge. So let's count the amount of sets. Three, seven, eleven, fifteen, nineteen, twenty-three. 27, 31, 35, 39, uh, 43, 47, and 51. Okay, so that's 51 sets in one workout. Absolutely ridiculous. I've never programmed that much training volume in my life. You'd Like you'd be in the workout, sorry, in the gym for at least two hours in that one. Uh, day four, triceps and biceps. Close grip bench press, push downs, easy bar skull crushes, cable kickbacks. So there you got four, one, two, three, four exercises for your triceps back to back. Easy bar curls four times eight, wide grip curls four times eight, hammer curls four times eight, concentration curls four times eight. So four triceps, four biceps. And then day five, legs and abs. Oh, man, this just looks ridiculous. Four sets of squats, four times 12. Squat to bench, four times 12. So you do full range squats and then you just go to do some box squats. Bulgarian split squats, four times 12. Quad extensions or leg extensions, four times 16. Stiff leg deadlift, four times 12. Leg curls, four times 16. Glute kickbacks, four times 20. There we go, get it. Calf machine raises, four times 20. Seated calf raises, four times 20. Leg press calf raises, four times 20. Mate, so you've just done 12 sets of calves in one day. Oh my Lord. Weighted setup four times failure, air bike four times failure, side bends four times failure, barbell twists four times failure. So you can see that's just some more crazy volume, right? And this is what you would call a bro split where you're dedicating, you know, like certain body parts to certain days. And this is a way that I no longer program, but used to, uh, just because we know that that doesn't really, that's not really the best way to do it. Um, And then like, Lower down the lower down in the in the interview, he'll share his current diet, and I know this this podcast is specifically on training, but with the diet, I used to follow that too, um, and it's I remember him saying he used to eat grapefruit because it made him shredded, like in meal one of his diet, he'd say oatmeal, eggs, peanut butter, and grapefruit. So you know what I did. I went down to Pack and Save, which is a New Zealand grocery store, and I got grapefruit, and I was having half a grapefruit for breakfast, with my breakfast, and I was eating oatmeal, eggs, and peanut butter. Like, I was following that down to a T, and can you believe it? I didn't end up looking like this guy. Uh, If you're watching this on YouTube, you'll see what his physique's like. It's absolutely bonkers. And yeah, so like, why did this workout not work for me? Um, Number one, it was too much training volume. It was just like too much. I couldn't recover from this. Um, too much training to failure uh, too, like and too much training volume of that same muscle in one workout. So this is why we don't really do bro splits anymore because if we were to do like let's take his, his day three, which is delts, forearms, and abs. He's got military press behind the neck. 
which is an exercise we don't really want to do anymore anyway. We want to do the military press in front of our neck. Um, so we got one exercise there, that's shoulders. Machine press, which is shoulders. Uh, shoulder machine press, that's two. Lateral raises, three. Weight plate front raises, four. Dumbbell front raises, five. So he's got five shoulder exercises back to back. Think about the amount of energy that your shoulders are going to have to perform in those sets. When you first off do the military press behind the neck and then you work down through machine press, lateral raises, weight plate front raises, dumbbell front raises, if you can imagine you're playing Tekken and your character's life starts at full, as you progress through those different exercises, your health bar is going to start going down and down and down and down. Now, look at that health bar as your energy level and your amount of energy that you have to push decent amounts of weights. The more you smash that muscle group, the more it's going to build up fatigue and the less uh, peak performance you're going to have to lift those weights. So what we want to do instead of that is instead of just training all your shoulder exercises in one day, if you jump into my five-day split, which I do now, I would split those five exercises over the three days. So I could do military press behind the neck, machine press on Monday, and then Wednesday I could do lateral raises, weight plate front raises, and then on Friday I could do dumbbell front raises. I've done the same amount of volume, but I've spread it out so that each time I get to those shoulder exercises, because progressive overload is key, I have more energy and uh, I'm fully recovered and I'm fully focused as well. That has an input, your your mentality and your mental focus. I can now lift more weights for those exercises that I'm doing later on in the workout because instead of doing them later on in the workout now, I'm doing them at the start or I'm doing them with a with fresh shoulders. So that's why this doesn't really work for me. Uh, it's just too much volume. Um, and secondly, I had high expectations because, you know, you think I'm doing this guy's program. I'm soon going to look like this guy. Now, if you've been following Lazar Angela for a while, uh, I... I don't follow him anymore. Uh, obviously, I used to read these blogs, but he's admitted to taking clenbuterol while he was getting ready for these photo shoots and, and, and stuff like that. And he was super shredded. But I literally thought I was this young, naive dude that was just like fresh to bodybuilding. I literally thought I could look like Lazar Angelov. Um, and I had no idea he was on anything. I, I didn't even think about it. I was too young. I, I don't even know if I was aware of steroids, but um, clenbuterol isn't a steroid, but like clenbuterol is a performance enhancing drug. It helps you cut weight really fast. Um, and yeah, I didn't look like him. I didn't, I struggled to build muscle. Um, and I had this idea, like I'm going to look like him and I didn't, and I got frustrated. And then that made me want to stop doing that. And I was doing his diet. I was doing his training program and it just flopped. So, um, that's one of the biggest mistakes I made. Other people's workouts aren't made for you. For example, I, genetically speaking, have um, a decent set of arms, biceps and triceps. um, And I've realized that I don't have to do direct bicep or tricep work to have the desired arms that I want. So I dedicate that extra training volume that a lot of dudes spend training arms. I, I spend it training other places like my shoulders and like my lats that I feel I want to bring up. So everyone's physique is different. I remember seeing Hattie Boydell post on Instagram that she doesn't do direct arm work for that, uh, for that reason too. 
Um, but also the bikini body that she's pursuing is is different. So she might not want to have big arms. She might want to focus more on shoulders and lats and glutes. But um, I find that my biceps and triceps respond well to my heavy compound work, overhead press, bench press, uh, bent over rows, chin-ups, that and all the other work that I do, tricep dips and stuff, that I don't have to do direct tricep work like tricep pushdowns, tricep rope extensions, or barbell curls, dumbbell curls, cable curls, all that type of stuff. I don't do that. So following this guy's workout where he focused a lot on arms, I was spending time in a place that I didn't need to spend it. So following other people's workout programs isn't really going to benefit you at all. I share workouts every now and then on my socials, but I've kind of pulled away from doing that because of that reason. Like if you do my workouts, you're not going to look like me. You're not going to be as strong as me. Um, I can provide guidance on like, this is what works for me. But like if you're doing someone else's workout program to get the results that you want, most likely it's not going to align. Uh, point number six, one of the uh, biggest training areas that I made was just too much strength work. And this kind of comes back to a point that I was talking about earlier. Uh, my lower back was always sore. My elbows were always sore. And it wasn't balanced with enough hypertrophy work. Too much heavy work. So when we look at building muscle and when we look at getting stronger, they're two different goals, but they're also intertwined. So if you want to build muscle, you can do that by getting stronger. The stronger you get, the more weight you can lift when you're doing hypertrophy work. And let's look at strength work as lifting reps between one to six. Hypertrophy work, you can build muscle between one and five too, but generally speaking, hypertrophy work is more, you know, six to 12. That's the kind of rep range hypertrophy work is. It's not too heavy to be like stressful on your central nervous system, your neurological system, um, your joints and your ligaments and your tendons, but it's not too light that you have to do too many reps to get close to failure. So it's kind of like the sweet spot of building muscle. This is why it was like called the hypertrophy rep range because it's not too heavy, but it's not too light type of thing. But I got obsessed with trying to get strong. I, I started lifting weights and this was probably when I became a personal trainer because when you're, when you're a personal trainer, who do your friends become? Personal trainers. What do personal trainers do? pretty much every day, they lift weights. And when you lift weights and you're surrounded by competitive dudes that also lift weights, you get into a dick measuring contest of how much weight you can lift. And I fell I fell for that and I just used to be try try to lift as, as, as much weight as possible. Um, I would do a lot of strength work, a lot of strength training programs that I wrote myself. And I wasn't doing enough hypertrophy work to give my joints a chance to rest because I fell in love with that low rep range. And I also responded very well to that. I, I feel like I have a lot of type 2 muscle fibers, which are like explosive strength-based uh, muscle fibers. And I responded very well to it. I felt like I built decent muscle mass lifting heavy. And I so I was just like, I'll just do it all the time. Um but if you look at Ronnie Coleman, you can see what the results of that are like if you take that too far. So I was getting too sore too often, but it wasn't always my muscles. It was my joints. My wrists were sore from too much bench press, heavy bench press. My wrists were sore from too much overhead press. And this wasn't because a lack of technique. I mean, it could have been, but it was mainly just because there was too much weight on my, on my body for too long. Um, I was doing heavy deadlift, 
I was doing heavy squats, so my lower back took a lot of toll, and I was just like, and even when I was doing dumbbell work, I was sticking to like four to six reps, so I was like still trying to lift heavy all the time, and I just, I just got so sore that uh, I wasn't able to keep up, and like my weight started dropping, I started actually going backwards, but I was too stubborn to go back to hypertrophy work that I would just stay in strength work and just kind of like suffer the consequences, but uh, I, I would recommend to be much smarter than me and balance your strength work with hypertrophy work. So you could do something like two strength programs, two hypertrophy programs, two strength programs, two hypertrophy programs. It really just depends on what you can handle. I like to do two strength programs, one hypertrophy program, two strength programs, one hypertrophy program. I feel like that works for me, but you might want to do one strength program and, and two hypertrophy programs. It depends on what you respond to as well and what you enjoy. I really enjoy getting under heavy weight and lifting it. And now I can do it. I'm currently on my second strength program now. I just came off a program that I wrote for myself, which was... Uh, what was it? What was it? I was going down to two... Eight, six, four, two. Six, four, two, two. Yeah. Sorry, I was doing it. Actually, oh, my phone's filming. I was doing a workout program that was like six four two two. No, six four four two. Yeah, that was it. Um, so I would do a weight for six reps. Next set was going to be four. Then other, the next one was going to be four again, and then it was two. So that descending rep method was for like my bench press, my overhead press, my uh, weighted pull-ups, my bent over rows, my single arm dumbbell rows because I like that strength building aspect. Then the rest of the exercises were like six to eight. Max reps were like 10 and those were for like arms and abs. And now I'm doing a five by five program. Pretty simple. Um, strength programs. I, I, I just love it. I just enjoy it. I just want to lift heavy weights. Maybe it's an ego thing. Maybe I need to deal with that later, but I just, I just like being strong and I'm getting strong at the moment. Um, but then after this, I know that I'm going to have to take a break because my shoulders, my elbows, my knees and stuff like that, my lower back will start to feel it. And I could just pull off my training and just like ease off and just do like maybe lighter loads or I could do like less of a training split. Like instead of five days, I could do four days, but I enjoy training. So I want to keep that five in there. So what I do is I just go to a hypertrophy program where I can focus more on building muscle than getting strong. But the awesome thing about training with strength programs and going in and out of hypertrophy programs to strength programs is they benefit one another. Like I was saying earlier, they're intertwined. So for strength, when you get stronger, you can lift more weights in those hypertrophy rep ranges. So if my prog- if my squat's getting stronger from my 6442 program and then my 5x5 program and then I do like a 8 to 12 rep range for squats, I'm going to be able to do more in that 8 to 12 rep range because I increased my strength in that 6442 and 5x5 program if that makes sense. And vice versa, if I do a hypertrophy program, I'm building a bigger muscle. And a bigger muscle has the potential to be a stronger muscle. So now that I have bigger muscles, um that can help me to be stronger as well. So try to balance your strength work. It looks different for everyone, but just consider it. My last point is training fasted. Uh, I trained fasted and I'm just going to be really honest and just put it out there. I hated it. I don't like fasted training for myself. It may work for you, but I don't like it for myself. Um, 
I did it because I was in that mindset that I talked about earlier, train hard, uh, I'm the man, uh, I'm a go-getter, uh, I'm working while you're sleeping, uh, you know, I'm a successful dude, this is what I do, you know, this is my identity. Um, but when I trained early in the morning, man, I was like pathetic. My deadlift wasn't stronger, my squat wasn't stronger, nothing that I was lifting felt great. I was still half waking up, like real heavy eyelids and blinking because the lights were so bright and the music was so loud. I was like oh, struggling and it just never worked for me. Some people like training fasted and some people have to, like that's the only time they get to train 5am to 7am and then they got to come back home. Kids get them ready, bang, then go to work from, you know, nine to five, pick up the kids. You're at home at seven and then it's like, okay, got two hours to like meet dinner for the kids or whatever, watch succession and then go to sleep and then do it all over again. I get that. You may not have flexibility to to change the time when you train, but just training fasted was my biggest training error personally. And there was some research recently that came out. Now, now keep in mind, this was uh, done with Ramadan. So it was a study done with that sort of fasting where they eat when uh, the sun goes down. And then when the sun comes up, you, you can't eat or drink water. Um, but I want to read the study out just to give you an idea. Um, here we go. Uh, during Ramadan month, I'll, I'll put the link to the study in, um, in the show notes as well. During Ramadan month, Muslims often continue training to maintain their muscle performance. However, trainers should stress the importance of the time of day chosen for practice resistance training during Ramadan fasting to avoid health and performance alteration. Thus, this study aimed to investigate the effects of the timing of resistance training during Ramadan intermittent fasting on muscle strength and hypertrophy in healthy male adults. The methods. 40 men were randomly allocated to two matched groups, 20 practicing whole body resistance training in the late afternoon in a fasted state and 20 training in the late evening in a fed state. Both groups performed four days per week of whole body resistance training uh, at 75 to 85% of their one rep max, 12 reps, three to four sets uh, during Ramadan. Uh, da -da -da -da, anthropometric uh, measurements and one repetition maximum test for the squats, deadlift and bench press were measured those are your classic powerlifting lifts a cross-sectional area of the quads and biceps were examined using ultrasound scans all measurements were taken at four time points 24 hours before the start of Ramadan 15th day, 29th day and 21 days after Ramadan post hoc tests indicated so this is the results they indicated significant pre-improvement to post-improvement in fed at the 29th day of Ramadan for the one rep max test for the squats and deadlift when compared to 24 hours before the start of Ramadan. No significant changes were observed in the fasted state group or cross-sectional or for cross-sectional area for both groups. Conclusions. Practicing resistance training during Ramadan appears not to have adverse effects on muscle hypertrophy and strength, no matter whether it is practiced in fed or fasted state. However, resistance training had greater effects on muscle strength when applied in a fed state. Our findings suggest that training sessions should be scheduled after breaking the fast during Ramadan. So if you look at it like that, like hypertrophy isn't really affected, uh, but strength is. And I definitely found that um, when I tried to lift weights. And 
I look, this is not, I wasn't doing Ramadan, but it's like you're fasted when you wake up and you don't eat and you go straight to the gym because you've technically probably had eight hours of sleep. Maybe it's taken you one hour, two hours to go to the gym. You haven't eaten yet. You haven't eaten for 10 hours and you're not like, I'm just not the same person. I need a couple of cups of coffee, which I'm sipping here and some calories behind me to be strong. That's just how I am. And I think that's how most humans are. Um, and I trained fasted and I, I just didn't like it. So for me personally, that was a training error. Um, as you can see from this study about Ramadan, um, the, the strength was impacted, but the muscle building potential wasn't. So, But when you look at it, like when you haven't eaten for a long amount of time, like, and you think of going to the gym, <laughs> you might have less drive, you might have less energy just less zeal to actually get in and smash it. I'm a different person when I'm hungry, man. I do not want to go to the gym when I'm hungry. I would rather eat while I'm training than be hungry. And that's what I do. So for example, later on today, I'm going to go to jujitsu and then I'm going to go straight to the gym and then I'm going to go home. In between that, I don't have time to eat because I like jujitsu is so close to the gym and I just need to get them out of the way. I, I go straight there. So I'm literally eating. I go to IGA and get a protein cookie or two and I eat them while I'm working out. <laughs> like it's, I would ne never recommend it to a client. Uh, like this is a suboptimal way of doing it. But you know, with the new addition of my daughter to the family and me wanting to get home, I'm just like, I'll squash it in and then I'll just go home and it'll be all good. Um, I would way rather eat while I'm training and I used to do it as a PT too because I just didn't have time. I'd have to train before I see clients and instead of eating and not training, I would just eat and train. Once again, not my recommendation to anyone out there, but it's just what I did to get through it and to tick all the boxes for the day. Um, so if you want to train faster, go ahead. But there is what the research says just with this one study and I guess my anecdotal evidence um, with being strong. You want some calories behind you. If you do want caffeine behind you, that's great. If you want to take a pre-workout or you want to drink a black coffee like I do, that's cool too. That's what I choose to do. But, um, you know, caffeine does have performance enhancing effects. So I would recommend that. Uh, if you do want to optimize your training and how much you're lifting and stuff. Uh, yeah, that would be my last point of the uh, seven biggest training errors uh, that I made. Let's finish on a quote. I really like quotes. Um and I, I recently had one from a negotiation book that I read and it applies to anything in life. It's, it's about negotiation. So the book is Getting to Yes. And the quote goes like this. La, 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 la. The more you ask for the... Sorry, there's a meant to be a comma there. Let me restart that. The more you ask for, the more you are likely to get. In negotiation studies, aspiration is correlated with the result. Within reason, it pays to think positively. Right, that makes sense. The more you ask for, the more you are likely to get. And there is a set of people that don't like to aim high because they're scared of getting discouraged or not hitting it. You know, the whole like, um, what is it? aim for the moon, land on the clouds or shoot for the stars, land on the clouds type of thing. And and like you're just like, just aim high, man. That's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> just aim high, aim high, shoot for the stars. Because if you don't ask yourself, ask this of yourself, like, can you reach this goal that you want to get? That's like super high or, or what you really want to achieve, but you're scared to say because you don't know what people are going to say about you. Oh, he tried to do this, but he failed. Blah, 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 blah. 
stuff there, man. Just go for it. Because if you don't open your mindset to that opportunity that you could actually get it, then you're never going to like achieve anything impressive. You have to ask yourself for these crazy things that you can do or else it's like never this option in your mind. So if you're always thinking, oh, like just thinking low, like, oh, I want to go for a holiday just down the road. Like, okay, cool. You can do that. Why don't you go on a holiday to the Maldives? Like just shoot for, oh, but that costs money. Okay then. So now you're shooting for the stars. It's going to require a plan of action. Okay. It's going to cost money. How much is it going to cost? How are you going to make that? So then like even just by dreaming bigger, you're like opening up opportunities for you to work harder and like increase your capacity to do so. Um, you know, it, it can be for anything, your dream job, whatever you want to do. I, I just thought I wanted to be a personal trainer. But then as I was a personal trainer and people started asking me, oh, can you help me for training? Like, you know, and they were in America, they were in Asia, they were in Africa. I had to open my mind. I'm like, okay, I'm going to be an online personal trainer, like bang. So then I started, okay, but if I'm going to be an online personal trainer, I'm going to need a website. I'm going to need systems in place. How am I going to market to people? How am I going to blah, 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 blah. So it opened up my capacity, but it also like, if I didn't ask myself to do that, I never would have achieve that if that makes sense the more you ask for the more you are likely to get in negotiation studies aspiration is correlated with result within reason it pays to think positively and that's that whole like you know there's that subset of people that i was saying that aren't necessarily thinking optimistically but i think there's a big set of people that are entrepreneurs that are successful people people that we idolize or look up to or admire and they are optimistic people. If you're not optimistic, you're not going to go for it. If you don't think there's going to be a positive outcome, you're not going to get off your ass and do the thing that you need to do. So try and get in a positive mindset. One thing I do is I, I have a gratitude list that I read every day and that puts me in a positive frame of mind. I have to have a good day after that because I've just been super grateful for the fact that I have breath in my lungs, for the fact that, you know, I have um, a career that I enjoy. I have a roof over my head. I have these really basic fundamentals that I remind myself of. And then anything above that is like a bonus. So I'm like, far out, man. Life's good. Let's go for it. But I feel like if you don't have that mindset that life is good and that like there are positive things happening. Look, I understand the world's a shitty place too. And there are things that happen in the world that are just uncalled for that really throw your life in like downward spirals, you get addicted to something, you lose a friend, you lose a parent, you know, you lose a business, you go broke, like there's certain things, but like, if you can remind yourself of these things, then it can help you to, to have a positive perspective, which can help you lead to dreaming bigger, to get you that result that you want, whatever it is, so I hope that helps, practice gratitude first thing in the morning, like I say, you know, thank you for the roof over my head. Thank you for food on my plate. Thank you for money in my wallet. Um, thank you for breath in my lungs. I say these types of things. It sounds super cheesy. It sounds really lame, but it works and it's worked for me and I hope it works for you. Thanks for listening. I'll see you in the next podcast. Bye.